You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, good evening, everybody. Um, we are going to get you through your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound here on Locked On Browns. Pete Smith joining me, Jeff Lloyd, as always, guys. Uh, brought to you this evening by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your French trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotel, hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Thank you for the sponsorship of the show. Um, remember, guys, hands-free devices, The whether it's Alexa at home or in the car, play Podcast Locked on Browns. Have the latest episode brought up for you. Um, looking for a new uh, podcast app, uh, make sure you check out the fine folks over at Himalaya. Uh, we thank them for the sponsorship and coordination efforts that we got with them going on. So, But if you're looking for somewhere else to take it, uh, check out Himalaya. Uh, you know, obviously, you know they, they're great with uh, their personally curated playlists. Great ideas. They kind of almost get like a like a TiVo effect to things. Like they they kind of pick up the stuff you like, and then they start actually starting to suggest you shows. So I suggest guys check out Himalaya and the app. Obviously, at your app store, whether it's Google, obviously whether it's Apple. Uh, Pete, this is one I guess we got to open with because. <sighs> there's some that are criticizing it and some that don't get it. And the first thing what we saw was, wow, well, this is perfect. And it's great to see Miles Garrett at such a young age. Look, guys, anything, if it's Miles Garrett, you've got to truly understand it's always right. That's just the way this kid is, whether it's Game of Thrones or dogs or, and you know, obviously he showed up at the high school today where they were, uh, you know, you know, and, you know, good job at the Haslam's on that, you know, where you're putting in a new turf field for a high school. This statement of, I don't think we need Gerald McCoy, we're all right with our guys. Pete, this one is driving me crazy with a lot of this fan base because I think they're they're trying to make something out of nothing and they don't understand exactly what Miles' statement truly means. Right. So first, first a note to the Haslam's. I have long criticized them for their acumen when it comes to football. They are really good at this stuff. And and I think if they, you know, if they were to do things over again, they they should have basically hired people they thought could do the job, gotten the hell out of the way, and just focused on this stuff. Because like, we're in this. We, when we, in talk, this, we talked about this in the fall. Jimmy should be shaking hands, kissing babies, let the football people do the work. But this is their. Yes, they are very good at. It. When when they're in this element, they are very good and it's very easy to like them. They're very endearing in that spot. And yes, they're very good at you know the whole. Because, you know, being the running for mayor type stuff. Uh, Miles Garrett, he gives the perfect answer to a question that that is a trap in terms of what you're saying to a player. Do you need Gerald McCoy? If he says yes, then he's saying that they don't have enough right now. And in addition to that, he's, you know, basically gaslighting his teammates that one or some of them simply isn't good enough, which doesn't work well in a locker room, and it would look bad uh, from a public perception standpoint. So even if he's really thinking they need him, and he probably doesn't think they need him, but I'm sure he'd like him. Uh, I'm sure he's not going to sit there and go, you know, Gerald McCoy walks in the in the door and he tells him to turn around and get the hell out. Uh, <laughs> but that's the right answer. All, all he, all, all he would do by saying we need player X, regardless of the side of the ball or whatever else. Uh, that's the one area you can maybe criticize him a little bit. Is you're endearing yourself to your teammates. You're, you're having their back, which is always a good move. And you're, you're basically saying that if you don't get said player, you're going to be fine. Because if you don't get said player, you're going to have to be fine. So. That's absolutely the right answer. And at 22 years old, or 23 now, uh, that is exactly what you want him to say. That's absolutely the perfect political answer. Um, So suggesting, like, the alternative would be being LeBron, essentially, and saying that, yeah, we got to get this guy. I need more help. Uh, The guys here aren't doing enough. And you run into that situation where, you know, and, and some people applauded LeBron for basically saying this and trying to crack the whip on ownership and all that stuff and using his, you know, leverage in that respect. But at the same time, you know, it just makes you a dick. 
uh, as far as your your teammates and stuff go. So it 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 only benefits Miles to say this, even if he's thinking the complete opposite. It's the answer you have to give in that scenario. And there's ways this goes with athletes. There's some that don't know what they're doing, and constantly there's always the well, what I meant by saying that, and and even even if whatever, if they don't care that they're dicks you got to go back and kind of rewrite the wrong even after the damage is done. Um, there's a story I, you know, I, I put on Twitter today uh, years ago. Now, Derek Jeter, uh, the Tino Martinez was a free agent. Jason Giambi was the hot first base free agent option. And they asked Derek Jeter, you know, uh, you know are you going to help the team recruit Jason Giambi? And he said, no. Well, he said, look, Tino was a good friend of mine. I came into this league as a rookie. And Derek Jeter got his first major league base hit, the first baseman that he went back to the bag to was Tino Martinez playing for the Seattle Mariners. They ended up going to New York, going together, whatever, had a great run. And he's like, I'm not going to do that to my friend. I'm not going to go pick his replacement, which is essentially what Miles would be saying if they needed Gerald McCoy, is one of those guys who, and look, everybody looks up to Miles. He's that good. Um, So he's, whether it's a Chad Thomas, a Deverell Lawrence, or Carl Davis, these are guys he's had a relationship now for over a year. So he's basically essentially calling calling somebody out without naming a name. And that was Jeter's stances. You know, why do I want to, you know, screw over my friend who always been there for me by basically, you know, pushing for him to be replaced? This is what this is what the stars are supposed to do. And the fact that Miles Garrett does it at this age, and this is just the thing with Miles, and whether it's this or the community aspect that he brings and or in games of thrones look man we're all a little bit nerdy we all enjoy it let's get together and do it together or it's hey i got a dog hey why don't a thousand of you come out and we'll all meet our dogs together he is so diverse and well-rounded and good with this it, it, it's 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 crazy crazy good for a guy this young to get it and maybe eventually as he gets more and more success and maybe, you know, whatever, settles down a little bit and maybe there's a family of his own, you know, maybe there'll be less of his availability. But you guys enjoy it. Enjoy the living hell out of it. That you've got a superstar that is doing things of this nature. It's just, it's insanely, insanely great along, to go along with the player. And actually, while we got Miles Garrett going here, Pete, it's interesting that he's not backing off this Greg Williams talk of, and which stuns me because you know you, you see the videos of the basketball or whatever could you imagine taking this guy pete and saying he's fine as he is when he's got obviously from his basketball skills he's got handwork he's got body control everything this guy is could you imagine saying you know what who cares about the rest just get the first step on the guy and see what happens um i will push back slightly on this I will only say that I could sort of understand Greg Williams' argument if he's basically saying that, you know, Miles has, you know, seven moves he's trying to use, and he's basically trying to get him to go down to these two because he wants him to, be, you know, these are the two he's going to need. He wants him to master them before adding in more. I can see that from his standpoint. Now, at the same time, I can totally understand it from Miles' standpoint that he feels like he's being boxed in, and then that's um, you know not something he wants to deal with. I, you know, I, I get it from both angles. I, I don't know uh, who's really right on this one, but certainly given the fact that Greg Williams is no longer here, uh, it, it makes it very easy. And Miles Garrett is, you know, it, it going, if he's not already, he's on, on the path to being a superstar. You're, you're generally going to err on your guy. Who's going to be the superstar over the, you know, the gruff, uh, ex coach. Um, so I can at least see the argument, uh, that you're basically saying, look, this guy's doing all these different things and they're not really, you know, they're not as good as they should be, so we're going to limit you to this. And maybe he limited it too, too much, but, you know, from the coaching side, I can at least see the argument. But, you know, I, I also think that would have to be sort of temporary and that you'd have to let sort of branch out. And I think, you know, the the thing is when you have a guy like Miles Garrett, you're going to have to communicate and be on the same page and sort of, you know, let him sort of stretch his wings out a little bit, and maybe allow him to, you know, move past the two 
and add more as as it goes along. Now, maybe that was Greg Williams' plan all along, that he was going to sort of, you know, get him to focus on these two and then add in two more or whatever. I don't know. But uh, from that standpoint, I totally understand why it's very easy to sit there and go, well, Greg Williams is a jackass and, and you know, he's holding Miles back. Uh, it's really difficult to know. Um, I, I think – you know, the proof's ultimately going to be in what Miles does this year. Uh, it, it's going to be sort of a referendum on, on Greg Williams. And, and by that point, it may be long forgotten anyway. But the other part of this is, you know, the, my biggest issue with Miles Garrett in terms of what he has to improve is the idea of, st- you know, not getting blocked in the first place. Uh, all the moves in the world would would be less important if he just doesn't get blocked. Uh, and maybe... Maybe that is some that is a part of this that he thinks, you know, being able to use more moves will allow him to avoid that. But I think just working on that part uh, would make a substantial difference for him. So I'm curious to sort of see how this one plays out. Uh, I, I think, but I, but again, I think there's room for both guys to be right and both guys to be wrong here. Oh, but there's, I, I, I mean, I think part of it always also is just the mentality of Greg and, you know, being a little bit older and, you know, Greg, who it was weird if he was, you know, you know, I guess maybe he felt, you know, he was coaching for his life, which essentially he's not lying. He was. So there's that aspect of it. But the thing is, is you cannot ever forget about player development. It, it should be there. And just because Miles Garrett was drafted number one overall, doesn't mean that there could have been something done there in that aspect and something done more. And here's the thing, you know, Miles will be able to get to try things out this year because, or Pete, maybe even was part of, you look, we ain't got the horses here for you to try things out. This year, it's going to be a little bit different where, hey, you can try it out because we maybe have, you know, three, four other guys that maybe we can be able to get home. So obviously different in that regards. But for me, player development, that's, or maybe it was, look, you can try this in practice, but don't you dare use it in a game because I don't think it's there yet. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. I mean, if, if, if there's a lot you can criticize about Greg Williams, I'd be fascinated to know what he actually, you know, think what what he would say on this topic because he is a very good talker um, and on this type of stuff. There'd be some catchy phrase that we'd all have to sit down for about a minute and a half and actually try to dig through it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but I, 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 the other part that sort of lends credibility um, to Miles uh, on this one is the is the Hugh Jackson factor and how he sort of held back. I'm not even sort of. He held back Baker Mayfield. So there's certainly an element of, uh, you know, all the, the that entire staff was holding the team back. So it's it's easier to sort of lend credence to Miles on that. I, you know, I'm, I'm basically just fascinated to see what he does, you know, in his own development and obviously the talent they've added because, you know, again, I think, you know, he said he, he he's going to set the franchise record for sacks. He's going to smash that record or crush that record or whatever he said either way he's right he will uh but again i think he's got a 20 sack season in him and it's a question of if it's going to be this season or another one so you know he's the thing is miles garrett's ultimately going to be able to get the last word on this regardless just because he's going to be out there and playing for the browns and and greg williams is already in an uncomfortable situation with the jets and he just got there yeah and it's just keeps this seem to be getting worse over there. Um, and, but the other thing, though, is Miles is a smart enough guy where it's, you know, he may already kind of have his own book on some of these guys. And the thing is, look, when you're going to p- play Pittsburgh twice a year, Cincinnati twice a year, Baltimore twice a year, two move ain't going to cut it. I mean, you're y- going to have to mix it up. I mean, he's going to start to get a resume as much as he's going to start to get his own game plan on some of these guys that he's going against. So there's adaptation, and you know it's gonna it, it's gonna come from the teams that are facing him. It's gonna have to come from him and what he does in his own stuff. Uh, so you know that is that, guys. Uh, one of the sponsors of today's show is the friends over at Untuck It. Dads come in all shapes, all kinds and shapes and sizes, and so should the shirts. Like a tall, like a short, like a slim, a relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button-ups look so long and baggy at the end of the day? It can be hard for guys to pull off a casual, untucked look that isn't sloppy. That's where Untuck It comes in. Untuck It has the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great and untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekends by uh, no tucking, no tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com. 
promo code NFL to get 20% off. Uh, the good folks at Blue Chew, Blue Chew, like the color blue, uh, you know, this is a big day for us. This is our first testimonial uh, <laughs> from, a, from a source uh, that is familiar with the product. Uh, Mrs. Lloyd uh, weighed in and, and she noted that, uh, you know, Jeff almost fell asleep at the movie and the evening was hit or miss for the most part. But when it came to Blue Chew, you know, it, it came to doing the deed. Uh, she said uh, Jeff Lloyd is is mediocre at best, but thanks to the good people of Blue Chew, <laughs> at best was in play. So mediocre was there. Uh, look, uh, Blue Chew has the uh, the ingredient, the FDA approved active ingredient that uh, is in Viagra and C- uh, Cialis. So you and the Lloyds now know it works, uh, and you know it, it's a chewable, so it can work anytime, day or night. Uh, and, and because it's chewable, it can work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready anytime. It'd be ready uh, at peak or, in this case, mediocre performance. Uh, <laughs> check out the uh, promo code uh, Locked On and uh, do yourself a favor. Uh, Miss, we appreciate uh, Mrs. Lloyd being willing to put herself out there. Uh, that's you know certainly nice for us. Uh, but look, it works. It may, you know. As, as uh, she told me, she doesn't care, you know, if it's a pill, if it's a chewable. In this case, all she's worried about is get getting what she wants. And in this case, she got most of what she wants. So check it out. Do right by your spouse. Spouses, don't be afraid to have that talk with your husband. Make sure you're getting what's yours. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to take any other testimonials people have. Keep keep letting us know that you're happy with the product. I'm sure they love to hear it. <laughs> uh, and obviously, thank you to Blue Chew for the uh, sponsorship. Never let it be said, folks, that uh, people uh, Pete Smith can't go in there for a good roast. Um, but seriously, guys, if it's something you need, it's something you should look into. Uh, never want the... Uh, Look, uh, being married is tough enough as it is. When you get the time, you certainly got to be able to make sure you're gonna you, uh, take the uh, money, the the at bat, and make money of it. Uh, I, I guess we'll go with this one here, Pete. Um, and Dominican Sue. Now this is this is still just very very weird to me. This whole situation. You move on from Gerald McCoy, one year younger. Maybe based on, on last man. year, the better player. You, Look at this shit. What am I missing? So Gerald McCoy. Okay, so there's sources. There are sources talking. Dustin Fox allegedly is sources saying that Cleveland is the front runner. Gerald McCoy has just posted a picture uh, of, uh, or, or I guess people are looking at an old tweet. Is it the Browns? Pa- is it the Cavaliers parade? Yes. Yeah, he was uh, apparently he put that on Instagram. I, I yeah, I'm assuming he was there firsthand or whatever. He took it. Yes. So, needless to say, a, a, as we mentioned, would happen. You know, the stuff with with Gerald McCoy is is not going away. Oh uh, no, it's not going. And and uh, you know, there's been reporting. Obviously, Dustin. If if that's what Dustin Fox said, it was commented from another account. So I don't. I assume if he said it was on the radio. Um, but you, you've got some media reports. Uh, Steve, Steve Dorchek, uh, is talking about how the, the Browns have already had conversations and, and want him to be on the 2019 roster. So, um, get ready to get jerked around a little bit, you know, whether it's going to be, he, he's technically eligible to sign right now, uh, whether he wants to get this done quickly or if he wants to wait a week, if he wants to wait a month. Uh, but we're going to, we're going to keep seeing this stuff, keep going all the way until it's done and it's going to be excruciating weight and it's going to be either great or it's going to be really really deflating not to get him even though the Browns are in great shape uh without him oh yeah i mean we we talked about this obviously last night this is this is just it's it's literally icing on the cake at this point if it does happen but yeah i mean people are going to be head over heels with the announcement. I mean, and, and this is always the joy of this with anything is 
everybody's going to be all over this till the second it happens or it doesn't happen. And, I mean, it'll be you know, Saturday, 11 o'clock, and you'll see tweets. Have we heard about Gerald McCoy yet? Because that's when the news are going to break. You know, I'm waiting for I'm waiting for a plan to get tracked. That's yeah, Oh, yeah, or the apartment hunting or all that stuff. But, Pete, this... Maria Dental. Yes. Now, but, but what is Tampa doing? You move on from Gerald McCoy, and to bring in... And Dominican Sue, a year. Uh, what the is? Come on, Pete. I know I'm picking on Tampa. What the fuck are they doing? What is their? What is Tampa Bay's plan? What is the identity of that team? Other than Mike Evans is a really, really good wide receiver. Uh, that's a really good question because you know, and Dominican Sue can. And this was the thing with the thing with Arians, and this was the talk here in Cleveland. Is well, it's not sure if it's a fit because nobody knows if Bruce has you know how long he has. Well, then what the frig is going on down there right so first this is a win now move uh which <laughs> again you know uh, yeah you and i don't feel good about their chances to do much of anything uh but this is a win now move uh he can play the three next to vita vea although he you know he's you know he, a bigger more of a nose-ish type guy he's more of a physical guy he can certainly do some speed stuff but he's also not what he has been like right now you know, in their current forms, I would say Gerald McCoy is better than Ndamukong Sue. The key here is what did he get in terms of money? Uh, and I don't know how instructive that will be as far as what Gerald McCoy will get. But, you know, Ndamukong Sue to this point in his career has done nothing if not follow every dime he could get. And and that's not God bless negative. Him. God yeah, bless I mean, him. Chase the bag. The Darrell yeah, Revis motto. Yeah, he, he. I mean, he's gotten every dime he could get, and and you know, more credit to him. Uh, but you know, so so, what does that look like for Tampa? Is that a one year deal? Is that you know, is that basically the money that Gerald McCoy would have gotten, or is it a lot less? Is is Indomitian to take take uh, Sue taking a lot less money than than we expect in some surprise move? But if that's the case, why the hell would he go to Tampa in that scenario? So you know, without details. This is more confusing than it, that it is anything else, but it's also confusing just from the straight putting him on the field in Tampa. He needs to play about maybe fifty percent of snaps now, maybe sixty percent. He's not a full time guy anymore, and if you're going to Tampa uh, with the way they're set up now, you're going to need to be a full time dude. Uh, so it, it, you know, not only for his talent's sake, but the Tampa sake, they need him on the field all the time and they need to win right now because all of this points to a one year uh, situation with Bruce Arians and, and whether or not they can, you know, get Jameis Winston to be better, to be more the quarterback they thought they were getting uh, when they drafted him or they're going to blow this thing up and move on. Now, maybe I'm wrong and they'll keep Arians around, but I, I, I don't know you know, what that looks like, what drafting a, 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 a rookie quarterback there or sign, and maybe that they, they're, they're looking to sign a veteran, but I can't imagine who in that scenario. It, it just, everything points to this being a one and done situation. If, if this, if this goes badly, like we think it will, where they're a third and more likely than not fourth place team in that division, Jameis ends up going elsewhere after the season, Cincinnati. Uh, and we're looking at, uh, Answering the question of, of what, and look, and with Winston, you know, God knows where that's going to go. I, you know, because the thing with Jameis Winston is, you, him in this position is what obviously causes me grave concern because there's just so many times where Jameis Winston, whether it's at Florida State or with Tampa Bay, where he's just dropped the ball. I just, I, I have no idea what's going on down there, and I would not be stunned. If Tampa starts 0-2 and then you hear Indomitian Sue's got a back thing <laughs> or an upper, you know, an upper hamstring type of thing and you basically handed this guy, you know, look, we don't know the numbers yet, $7 to $8 not then, be cheated. That's the only thing I know. We'll, we'll, we'll not be oh, cheated. Oh, no, it, it's, it's a good number. And so you, you get, you know, and Dominican Sue's Tampa Bay career consisted of three and a half to five games. You know, that's it, it, it just that's what I'm, you know, if you're, you have the tarot cards, if you're reading it, that's what I see for Tampa this year. And you've got some great pros there. You really do. But the problem is, is these receivers cannot feed themselves. And that's what causes me the greatest. You, you, you call them tarot cards? 
Tarot cards, whatever. Do every the jersey. It's that damn jersey accent, Pete. Just, That's a jersey thing. Uh, yeah, carrot, carrot rhymes with carrot cards. Wow, that sounds even fishier than they are already. Yeah, but yeah, look, either whatever. Tampa's. Let's put this in short. Tampa is boned. This is like the ultimate. You're set. You're signing a mercenary who's going to lose a lot of games. Like, it's you know, it's 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 not going to end any better than it would in any other field. No, there's there's just no way around it. And you know, I you know, and you know, you moved on from Gerald McCoy because of the money, but the guy was a good citizen. And you're bringing in a guy who, in look, there's times where Andama and Sue can be dominating, but he, he, it seems like he's starting to get a rep about it. it's like, well, you know, did the check clear? Did the check clear and that type of stuff? And well, I, that you may step on somebody's head. Yep, and at Pete, we did these playoffs last year, and yeah, I even remember when it was the New Orleans game, and and even the Super Bowl. He was there. He showed up for basically what the what was it? The NFC Championship game, I think, was the one game he played effectively yeah. in. Every other game, he sort of left a lot to be desired. And it's look, look, you know, three hundred and ten pounds, uh, and you know that physically gifted only goes so far. And he's a freak, and 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 it, you know, I, who knows how much of that is. Physical wear and tear versus you know how you know how bad he wants it. I assume it's mostly physical, but the, that's that's kind of the deal with those guys. And it's remarkable that that McCoy is still in the shape he's in, uh, where he's you know th- this is the thing I don't understand is you're basically getting getting rid of Gerald McCoy to get worse. Uh, you know, again, you you can make the case that Indomitian Sue's had a better career. Uh, Gerald McCoy is a far better player right this second, and that's what makes him so good for the Browns. And he had a history there. That's the thing. Like you move, you moved him out for a rental, and so like, where's Sue coming into this? And I'll tell you right now, if they take that '93 after McCoy wore nine years and just slap a Sue on the back of it, I don't know what in the hell's going on down there in Tampa Bay, guys. I, I just absolutely have no idea. Losing. Yes, it, it, there's going to be a lot, a lot of losing. I hope you all enjoy the sunshine and then the thunderstorms that come every now and then. But it's not going to be pretty down there in Tampa this year. Um, our buddy Jordan Zerm, uh, Pete, the 2021 NFL Draft. Obviously, no confirmation to this yet, guys. We'll know this, obviously, tomorrow. But the 2020 NFL Draft looks like, you know, there's a good shot. And, and I've heard this from some people, but it was nothing that you could report. And it really probably should have been this year with the whole 100-year whatever. That's another story for another day. But the NFL Draft bringing it to Cleveland for the Trevor Lawrence 2021 NFL Draft, which is another reason Tampa's bone, because the year you really want to suck is next year. But uh, 21 Draft coming to Cleveland, Ohio. Right. Uh, To his credit, he's in a position where he would probably be able to get this very early, uh, being a producer on the Tomahawk podcast. Uh, with with access to guys like Joe Thomas and and uh, Andrew Hawkins and and probably others who who might be able to get that very quickly. I'm looking at Joe Thomas. Um, wink, wink. <laughs> here's what I don't know, and, and somebody brought this up. Uh, I thought this was still a Cleveland Canton type bid, and somebody was suggesting that it was just Cleveland now, or that that was a possibility. I don't know the answer to that. I you know. From well, that my st- thing now, though, is is the Canton thing. It would have been for the 100-year anniversary. It doesn't uh, – well, 102 years doesn't make the thing. And the way things seem to be shaping up Cleveland-wise makes me think it is a Cleveland thing. Could be. I mean, the, the, the advantage with Canton is you can do it at the Hall of Fame, and it's very easy to play up, you know, the, the idea that you're going to draft somebody and – one of these guys or a couple of these guys may finish their career in Canton. Started, well, there's the storyline of started in Canton, finished in Canton, of course. Yeah, I mean, and there, there, there's a real awesome opportunity to sort of set up a situation where you've got, you know, you've got some of the busts out there or however many or whatever stuff from the Hall of Fame on the stage, you know, for this. Now, the, the flip side is, is Canton is, you know, it's not a... You know, it's not a metropolitan area. It's, you know, if you're comparing this to like Nashville last year, they basically shut down that street. They have all those bars and restaurants along there that can sort of incorporate. Canton doesn't have that. It yep. just, it's just not set up that way. Uh, but 
you know, Cleveland is. And, and it's possible that they'll, you know, be able to do some sort of, if again, if Canton is still part of it, they can, you know, maybe do the draft in in Cleveland and incorporate some, you know, uh, you know, if they have a, another set, you know, for that other group of analysts or however you want to do it in Canton, or you can take guys from the first day of the draft and take them down to Canton the second day or whatever. There's a lot of interesting options for that, and and it could be done really well. Now, the flip side of that is it could also be hell as far as, you know, traffic and all that stuff around here if you're trying to do those two locations at once. That, to me, is really the story here is is how, you know, being familiar with Cleveland and and living in Northeast Ohio is how they ultimately want to play this off because it could be a really big success. It could also be really problematic. My ultimate thing is I just hope it's good for the region and everything involved. Uh, and, you know, it has the notable advantage, and you're saying, why wait to 102 years? Baker Mayfield can't carry the Lombardi Trophy out at 100 years, but he can at 102. There you go. Uh, so that becomes an interesting part of this is that the Browns could be really, really good, and there could be a potential for them to, to do some stuff in that vein. Uh, but the other thing that is on the horizon and could really make this, uh, this draft part of this really awkward is, is a potential work stoppage uh, that's for that year. <laughs> so that's the other sort of hurdle. Is is, is that going to affect this whole thing and when the draft is? And if it's going to be one of those years where, you know, the draft ends up being first and free agency ends up being second or something else is weird and the draft is moved, you know, to some other date and time. or Which would be the – which would be perfect for Cleveland. That would be the perfect way it would go down because everybody would have their hopes up and then all of a sudden it would be this awkward situation – where they're hosting the draft, and there's so much going on that nobody knows what's going on. It would almost be the Cleveland thing that they this is the year they would finally get it, and there would be just so much awkwardness to the whole situation. Yeah, there's there's just a lot of stuff they could do. I mean, the Rock Hall's there. They've got all you know. They've got a lot of interesting options. So that that there's another one that makes me think it is a Cleveland thing now because that might be more, more than of likely. A, more than likely, you know, again, Canton may be essentially, you know, sort of a, a another set type set, set up specifically for that. So that is really fascinating. Whereas some of these cities, obviously, with like Las Vegas and Nashville and Dallas and all of these other things, it was a question of where in those cities. Cleveland becomes a unique situation that if Canton is part of it, it becomes what parts are in Cleveland, what parts are in Canton, you know, and, and how do they operate it? Again, a lot of options that could be really fun, a lot of opportunities for them to screw up. Uh, but, you know, first and foremost, you know, I hope it's true. It'd be a good, uh, obviously a good scoop for Jordan Zerm, getting him, you know, getting him some uh, recognition for that work. Uh, and, but more than anything, hope, hopefully it's good for Cleveland and, you know, the Browns, you know, win the Super Bowl so they can bring that thing out during the draft. Um, look, I mean, I think with the way everything is going here with the Cleveland Browns and the city and with everything and what football brings, that basketball essentially can't, which baseball can't. So if it continues to grow, and, and look, it, once they designate it, it, it doesn't get pulled back. Uh, it would be a fantastic event, and you know, obviously there's ways Cleveland can make this and make it perfect. Obviously, as Pete brought up with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and maybe you can do a part where the guys who come to the draft, you have them come out a day early, and you go and you do a whole bunch of segments where you know they're at the the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, obviously. But the issue there, though, is I mean, these kids are so far removed from you know a lot of the guys of the Hall of Fame, you know. So that's what makes a little. That's why I think it'll be a Cleveland thing. And I'll tell you right now, just from a little bit of the chatter I've gotten today, and some messages sent to me in. If it is Cleveland and this does end up getting confirmed, and you know, obviously everything continues to stray the course here, we'll be there. Uh, we'll be there with you know, in Cleveland somehow because I mean, you know, I've had people I've never spoken to today that I've never even knew listen to the show. We'll be around, uh, Pete. You might have to leave the house, buddy. I'm just gonna let you know now. Uh, so I'm giving you like a- 23 months notice. All right, I've, dude. Uh- I've been a. I was afraid of this. This might happen. Uh, I've been mentally preparing myself for that possibility. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, I mean, I may need all 23 months to get prepped for that, but uh, it's a sacrifice I may be willing to make. Either that, or I can be like the, <laughs> the, the, uh, 
uh, on on site at my home. Uh, yes. analyst. we'll see. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It, it's exciting. Uh, that that you know that that part of it is obviously exciting. The fact that you know for us, you know, and, and we'd like to pretend we'll be here uh, in twenty three months. We'll see. Uh, assuming you know Mrs. Lloyd doesn't find me and kill me. Uh, that no, 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 no. I'll tell you right now, she would take me out before anybody else, buddy. Don't worry about that. Well, either way, that that you know <laughs> that that you know for us, the draft would be at you know the team we cover. That becomes you know another fun aspect of this, and and that, that may pre- presents us uh, some opportunities to do some other fun things, be it with prospects or whatever. That there could be some interesting stuff with that. So, yeah, it's I, obviously a long way off, but we'll see. Yeah, I went to one – once I went to the NFL draft in New York City. I went the year Keyshawn, Jans- Keyshawn Johnson went number one to the Jets. I was in New York City for a bunch of activities the the day of the 2014 NFL draft. Obviously, this is the Odell draft and a bunch of other stuff. Um, you know, I had uh, uh, – a buddy of mine was, uh, you know, doing – you know, uh, work representing Cody Latimer. I got to talk to Cody Latimer that day. Obviously, he, you know, didn't go round one, went round two, which made the whole thing and what we all put together a little bit awkward. But just being there that day and the buzz, and the thing was I was trying to get the hell out of the city as fast as I could to get home for the draft to be able to sit down with, you know, a bunch of guys we were doing stuff with at the time and, and do a show. But it's electric. It is absolutely electric. And that's one thing that I does aggravate me a tiny bit is that they decided to take the draft and make it an on-location event because as I've grown here a little bit and for me it's a 45-minute train ride to Manhattan and that's no longer the home so eh, that is it is what it is Pete in that respect but uh guys if it, it you know it, it will be it will be it'll be an event it'll be cool as hell and if it does happen enjoy every second of it uh, let's see here. We do have to get one more in here. And this would be from the good folks at Grip Six Belts. Today's show is brought to you by Grip Six, where their goal is to literally make the best belt that's ever been made. Grip Six is an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grandpas, but even moms and aunts and wives. They have a new women's collection out now. Ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist, making the belt super comfortable. Grip 6 is the only belt with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. Grip 6 has a special offer for all of you folks. Grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. So go ahead, check that out. Guys, iTunes rating reviews. Go ahead, drop a five-star, drop a written review. Uh, we put together a nice week here again in this week. It's amazing when the team is good and all the possibilities that can continue to go on with it. Uh, you guys' listenership, it, it just continues to grow and grow here. And the fact that the Browns have not played a game in almost I guess, over five months now, it, it's just amazing, and I appreciate you guys all being around, along for this ride. But go ahead and check out Grip6, uh, Grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. So now, Pete, we do have some listener questions, and let's, see, let's jump on the hopper here. I appreciate you guys for it, and obviously it makes it easier to put together a show here. And this one, this is one we've talked about here, Pete, and this would be from Jay Enderlin. Um, any news on Desmond Harris? Nothing. Like, there's been no mention of him. Has there been weight put put on? There's nothing on Desmond Harrison. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, that's one of those out of sight, out of mind type things. Uh, you know, for his sake, you're hoping he's been quietly, you know, busting his ass to try to make up ground because he's behind. Uh, regardless of what I wants to tell you, he's behind in terms of his physical development. Uh, hopefully he's at an older first- age. This was one of our issues. Yes. Uh, as far as, you know, is he a threat to do anything on this team and start? No. Uh, I don't think he is. I don't think I, I think he's a bigger threat to not get to camp than anything else. And I do look at him. I, I will continue. He's one of the guys I'm eyeballing as potential trade bait. I think the Brunts would love to trade him. Uh, and that's not because they don't well, like but him. Even still, but it's just the math of it. If you can get a draft pick for a guy that you got for free, it's simple math. And it's, you know, you do it. 
Right. Uh, but I mean, beyond that, they, you know, they, they have Greg Robinson, they have Chris Hubbard, which they had last year. But since then, they've added Kendall Lamb, they've added Drew Forbes, they've added Brian Finian Ganofo, uh, all offensive tackles uh, that, you know, theoretically could move, you know, Drew Forbes into guard. But, you know, just from a math standpoint, they didn't take these guys because they feel great about De- Desmond Harrison. They traded these for these, or they added these guys because they want to try to get better. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Harrison does have NFL experience now. Uh, I would leave it at that. Don't show the tape. Just say that. Um, and then, you know, there there just aren't enough NFL linemen. The, the, the NFL is always short, and if somebody has an injury or just find, finds themselves unsatisfied with their situation, or you look at you look at a t, you look at a situation like uh, today with the Patriots, where they signed uh, that enormous human being uh, Jared Veldier, uh, and from started, the yeah. the proud Hillsdale College uh, program, and he opts to retire. Um, there are going to be teams that need a guy like Desmond Harrison. If they ultimately don't trade him, you know, if he gets cut uh, at some point, somebody will sign him. They they just will. You get so many chances as an offensive tackle, especially if you buy into the idea that he's got quote unquote potential. Um, So, but I, but I do, he's one of those guys I I think will be traded at some point. It may be for a draft pick. It may be, you know, it, it could be a conditional seventh. Uh, or it could be a player, like a, a, a guy we're not going to keep for a guy you're not going to keep type situation. Uh, that both teams are essentially seeing if if some guy is is good enough to sort of make some noise at the end of their roster, and if not, they'll cut him and move on, like that type of deal. So I, I do think at some point Desmond Harrison will be traded. I don't think he's a threat to make this team. It would take first a, a remarkable improvement on his on his part, and I think an injury somewhere on on this team which you know certainly that would be bad so this this becomes for des for harris and this becomes more about uh getting himself prepared for you know 32 teams or in this case probably 31 other teams as opposed to necessarily getting ready for the browns well the thing with it is is it was it was now or never for Desmond Harrison. It was it was like a one shot deal, um, due to his age. If he hit the ground running from day one, look, and, and Pete and I have said this. And look, we had our concerns about the guy. He should have never started week one, but it should have been a thing where you, know, you found your spot, you put him in, and if he got out there and he showed admirably, maybe you had something. But like I think it was you gave him his test. It didn't work out, and because the fact he's almost 26 and not 22, you just move on. It was a UDFA. For him to even end up possibly being your left tackle would have been a great story, would have been a great move. But now it's, no, you know, move on. And I'll still say this. I'm not sure if Pete's here. Your biggest need in the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft is probably left tackle. You gave it a shot, and that's what you do with a UDFA. And we said when they got him, it could be three weeks, it could be three months, it could be three years. Well, he made it to three weeks, he made it to three months, and I I don't see, I mean, there ain't a chance in hell he's going to make it to three years, Pete. Yeah, and, and, uh, you know, it's... The fact that as a UDFA at left tackle, the fact that he even started, whether it was seven or eight games... That's a victory alone, but you know his story and his book is going to go on in another city. Right. Uh, he was put in position to fail. He missed a bunch of the preseason and, and camp stuff with an injury, had almost no time to prepare, in addition to the fact he was an undrafted free agent rookie, uh, was already behind the eight ball. He was absolutely screwed from that standpoint. And you can say, well, they needed to or whatever. I would argue they didn't and did him no favors. So other teams may look at it and be you like, You had look. Greg Robinson, who was yes. who started a bunch of games at left tackle. You didn't have to do it to the kid, but whatever. It's a so, UDFA. You yeah. treat it as you choose. 
So uh, other teams may look at it and be like, look, this kid was screwed from the word go. And, and maybe that's a part of this uh, as well. But yeah, and you know, I did the mock my 2020 mock draft, and they they got a first round offensive tackle, uh, and and the, the the draft class at least from here looks strong at that position, and the fact that they're going to potentially be replacing two offensive tackles uh, next year certainly points in that direction. So yeah, I I, I don't see it with Des, uh, with with him here. I see him getting traded. Well, well, I mean, yeah, exactly. It could be, you know. The conditional of, you know, the most conditions of a conditional pick. Um, my buddy, Scott Mason, uh, he works with the Turn on the Jets network, and he, uh, Scott's a great guy. They do great work over there. Uh, we'll have, obviously, some of those guys on here as we head into the Week 2 affair. How many touchdowns does Odell score Week 2 against the Jets, which will be in Odell's old home? Who are their corners now? Tremaine Johnson. And to be determined. Seven. He will <laughs> score seven touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I'll go with the King Con Bundy. Five! Five! Um, look, yeah. Odell's going to go in there pissed off. And, you know, it, it's not the Giants. But it is the building. And, uh, you know, I, I know we've talked about this one time before. I remember the old Deion Sanders when he was a 49er versus Andre Risen and the pick six to the house off of Jeff, Jeff George. And this is my house! And it definitely gives a lot of feelings of that. Look, uh, as long Odell is there and healthy, and that's going to be one where he's going to want a, to put a statement to the entire tri-state area and all those reporters who did him so severely wrong for a guy who puts in the work, but if he doesn't do it in the facility, apparently the work is not recognized. Meanwhile, all these writers who are writing about, writing about him do it from the comforts of their own fucking couch. Um, this one, let me see if I get to it. This is a good one. I just want to make sure I get it from Hellhound. Where is it? 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 Here we go. Does a playbook develop with, uh, complexity over time? He probably should have spaced it there because it looks like overtime. Or do teams change their playbooks frequently? And if so, does that mean that a stable franchise is only successful ones? With a playbook, you have initially a bunch of it in there you have then you scale it down to week in week out yes there's always maneuverability pete like obviously you know the the two jarvis counterplays that were huge in the carolina win that's something where you're scouting your opponent and you find a hole but but go ahead pete um so you know speaking from some experience on this you tend to have a playbook that is of a certain thickness, and then over time you add stuff, whether it's something you created for a particular week or particular matchup or something you saw on tape that you know you thought would work, and, and you can use that, that, that counter with uh, Landry as an example, that whole package of plays, and, and say, well, this worked. You know, whether you want to, you know, if it's good enough where you make it a you know, a mainstay in your offense, or it just becomes a particular play that you might use in these types of situations, uh, is is you know to be determined. At the same time, you're going to run into stuff that you ultimately find doesn't work, or may simply be you find you know becomes out of date or no longer relevant because defenses have adjusted a certain way or aren't doing things the same way they had been. For example, you know. You, you used to face a ton of Tampa two uh, with that Mike backer dropping deep down the, in the middle of the field. And for the most part, you don't see much of that anymore because nope. tight ends basically destroyed it. Um, but as teams, you know, move away from that, that cover two action, that some of the plays you ran to beat it either get put sort of in a vault somewhere or, or whatever. Uh, and you add, you know, whatever to adapt to it. And, and your, your base concepts may ultimately stay the same and, and it just become it takes a different form. Uh, the other, the other, the other side of that is, is you could always, you know, if you're talking about from year to year, you may add in completely different looks that, you know, 
whether it's formation looks or, or different style of blocking scheme or whatever that you find you really like for something or, you know, you got inspired by watching somebody else do it. and, and, and Copycat, st- copycat. Yes, when stuff works, you, you, you tend to see it get copied. And if it's... Apparently, Philly Special is going to be in Madden this year is what, what somebody was telling me. So you know, that's where something gets trending and it gets to that point. So the really the answer to your question is the playbook is a constantly evolving animal with with some very few concepts that are just universal you know like uh you know you know like outs is a universal concept smash is a universal concept uh you know that that post wheel or curl wheel however you want to do it some of those Four things verts. Just, yeah you know slant arrow all those type of things are, are, are you know, Sl- some of those slant things. Flat, just, slant flat yeah, concept. Yeah, however you want to term that. Yeah, there are certain things that will just never go away. They, they, they just are always going to be there in some form or another. It's, uh, and, and run plays, you know, there are very, there are only so many ways to, to change that. You're still going to have traps. You're still going to have counters. You're still going to have base blocks. You're still going to have double teams. You're still going to have zone and, and gap scheme fundamentals, depending on how you want to do it. Uh, you know, there are only so many ways to do certain things, reach blocking, all that stuff. But especially in the passing game, that's really where things, uh, not so much, you know, some of it does go by the wayside and there are things that ultimately die off. But for the most part, it's really just adding to it and, and adjusting. And some of it's just tweaking uh, and and sort of evolving past concepts. You know, something was done a certain way for a certain number of years and, and you changed it. Whether it's, you know, you add choice routes, for example, where it could be one thing, it could be another thing, could be a third thing in some cases, uh, based on what the receiver is, you know, seeing the defense do, uh, you know, Julian Edelman would be a guy that is, you know, a really good choice route guy. Uh, it's just an evolving thing. You're, you're likely never going to have the same thing twice, uh, you know, and, and some of that, the NFL is a little bit different, but you have to adapt to your talent. You can't, you know, in high school, you get what you get, you know, unless you're, well, there's certain programs in Ohio that I won't mention Hoban that uh, may or may not. And I, I'm a grad, by the way, I, I, I have the right to say that, um, the, you know, at college you can, with reason, you can do some of the same system stuff, but even that you sort of have, have to adjust. And then the NFL, you know, there's more, stubbornness but even then you're having some of these younger coaches come in and sort of evolve and change things year to year to to do some of those type of things so it evolves it keeps developing uh it changes every year and and when stuff works people want to do it well i I think one of the things that freddie had success with was slot motion and obviously jet sweep motion and you and the thing that you liked is he was able to do more off of it and that's what you saw the baltimore game the jarvis landry the big touchdown there and what it is is if, you know, you find a wrinkle, you find something where you get a little success with something, and then it's like, well, what else can I do with this? And, you know, remember, obviously there was, you know, the full house backfield and that type of stuff. But the thing I like is is I like a guy who's willing to experiment and try stuff out. And this is maybe some luxuries they're going to be able to be able to do if it goes the way it's supposed to is try some things and, you know, in, look, I mean, you're going to run it in a, in a team drill, and if it looks like dog crap there, you know what? Scrap this, throw it the hell out. But if you're fooling your own defense, which the Browns' defense looks like it's going to be pretty stinking good, then it's, well, man, all right. Well, all right, if, if the right situation comes, I'm going to call it. And, you know, and obviously Freddie's not averse to having players throw the ball. So, you know, I mean, there's just so much. But the thing I like is always, you know, Keep the creativity up and, and keep the – don't be afraid to challenge yourself and, and try something new and try something – But the, and part of it is is because the players love it. They get into it. I remember years ago, Pittsburgh, you know, they used to have – they gave carte blanche to players to say, all right, well, bring me something that you think we like. And, I mean, they probably got, what, 100 requests and maybe two or three got past the cutting room floor. But, you know, it, it keeps the players engaged and, and stuff of that nature, and that's, which is good, which is good for everybody. The more you can keep the players engaged to what's going on, the better. Always keep everybody on their toes and excited about what's going on. It's just a great way to do it. Uh, getting close here to the end. Pete, anything we've missed today? Other than so. an, 
insanely bad tweet engagement that went on for almost 10 hours. Uh, I don't think so. There haven't been any more, uh, you know, there, there are more people digging up Gerald McCoy tweets, anything that's complimenting uh, anything, and you know, with uh, with the Browns, people are digging those up. So other than that, no, we're we're uh, we're, we're square. Um, and look, guys, I got a lot of this today. Stop engaging, but no, it gets to the point where it's no. You get your work challenged by somebody who has no idea what the hell he's doing. You get pissed off. You get aggravated. Do do well. We, go ahead. Here's the thing: is in in this particular case, it's a guy. Who people are like? He may be. Have- apparently, he's older than I am, which is fucking insane. But go ahead. Uh, you know, a guy that people are like, you know, saying should be on the pod, and you know, he, he, I'm, I'm basically taking to the task to the point where a litmus test, which he's failing miserably, is is you know trying to explain this from the standpoint of what makes a good pod, and, and, and if you throw out basically what he did, which is a tantrum saying, well, because, you know, we disagree with him, or I disagree with him, or Jeff disagrees with that he's, you know, that we're not going to, that he won't be on here. No, it's because he doesn't do basic homework, and he can't engage in a real conversation, which would make it an impossible listen for somebody. Uh, you know, nobody wants to listen to two people talking past each other for about 30 to 40 minutes. You know, you want to have if, – if somebody disagrees with you, that's fine, but you still have to have a conversation. It can make for a great uh, podcast if somebody disagrees with you, but you still have to be able to have a conversation Debate. that people can follow along with uh, as opposed to just, you know, taking turns saying things that don't relate to each other. It makes it hard to follow and ultimately just irritating, which is why in this case he's been on other pods and they hated it. Either listeners hated it or they didn't want to do it because, it, you know... He you was never asked back. <laughs> yeah, you, you you can't simply engage and ask a question and, you know, have him give you an answer. It becomes following various rabbit holes he's trying to to throw down and you're... Instead of having a conversation, you're trying to follow all these different rabbit holes. It's just a bad way to listen. So if there are people you're sitting there going, man, I wish he'd have this person on... You know, who they disagree with something you said. I'm all for listening to that. I, I have no problem uh, discussing opposing viewpoints. God knows my Twitter feed is full of it. But uh, it's got to be something that's listenable. Otherwise, it's a waste of everybody's time. And and that's the part of it. And, you know, look, and, and the thing with the Twitter debates and everybody, oh, just let it be. Just let it be. There, were, there were times where I've had some good interaction. And I know Pete, too, because normally, you know, Pete, there's a lot that comes to him that he just walks past. But it's – if you're not bringing any substance to it, it's just – but the thing is, I'll still tweet with you, but if you're going to attack the work – That you just, didn't actually read because yes. the criticism is literally in the article. Yes. And and look, we'll just go with this. Here is the problem with Chad Thomas. He is a tweener. He is not big enough to play inside. He is not athletic enough to play outside. And the problem with a guy who's a tweener is, in order to find a role, he's got to be a guy who busts his ass and puts in the work every second of every day. This doesn't apply to a guy who's, it seems like his true love is music, which is fantastic. And he's probably going to go off and do very well in it. But that's the issue. The issue is when you're an odd fit, you need to be the guy who's there when the coaches show up and say, hey, here's your coffee. Hey, donuts. You need to be the guy that goes the extra freaking mile within the sport. Not the guy who puts out tweets about, hey, does anybody know a good place to record music in Cleveland? That's that's the problem. But that is enough of that. Uh, Pete's work over at Brown Maven. Uh, Brown's Maven. Uh, make sure you're checking it out. Uh, follow at, what is it, Pete? At Browns underscore Maven, or is it one altogether one? Uh, I think it's Browns underscore Maven. But yeah, guys, I don't, just, I don't I don't run that account, so I don't know what to tell you. I think somebody else just basically occasionally run, jumps on there and does it. Was, that. Probably a smart move from the Maven folks to let somebody else run that account, Pete. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah, I have. <laughs> it's much easier for me to just operate from mine. It's yes. Fun. Yeah. Two two Twitter accounts is not fun. It's not fun at all. It's not. Um, that's why I usually stick to the. 
good folks over there. Uh, but check out, uh, obviously, over the work, uh, you know, at Browns, Maven, uh, Pete's account over there. Uh, doing very well so far. Very well received, and uh, it's nice for Pete to, ha Pete to have a home where it's kind of his thing, and we'll see how this grows, and obviously, you know, he'll be able to add more to it. Uh, follow Pete at underscore... I'm sorry, at underscore Pete Smith, underscore. Uh, the Lockdown Browns Twitter account, we always keep it follow back. You guys are fantastic. It, it's the fact that we're doing the numbers we're doing right now, which is we're talking about May, freaking May, and you guys are still here with us every day, which is why we're still here for you. Um, you know, there's still some that come, well, well, this pod's better, this pod's better, and, you know, I go back to Pete's, you know, line of, you know, from Tony Kornheiser. How's your Thursday show look? You know, it's great to say you want to do a pod or you can do a pod. It's a whole other thing to put together six to seven hours a week, six to seven shows per week, put it out there for everybody. So, you know, look, you want that, whatever, bring it. Go for it. You know, competition, whatever. I, uh, You know, what's the old line? Iron sharpens iron. Be as as may, whatever. All that good stuff. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um. It, it, we just continue here, guys. And look, it, the product, and it's, it, it seems almost like the bickering and the arguing is more now that the product is good when the product was dog ball, so to speak, or whatever. But, guys, be excited. And maybe it's because everybody's amped up and so excited waiting to see this thing and put, you know, put this car on the road, which I get. But, look, it, it, nothing's going to change. We still have two months before camp. So just cool your jets Come here and get your hour day, your hour a day fix. Enjoy what should be a nice spring and summer, and come late July, you know it's time. And the, no, ex, you know expectations are off the freaking charts, which they should be. Um, obviously, you know we're all going to sit here and monitor the Gerald McCoy situation, which is fine, which we'll do. Let's just hope it goes in the Browns' favor. Um, but this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.